things up there <laughs> if you need them. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Well, good to be saved. Amen. Good to be in church. Amen. Good to see me. Amen. You know, I, I might stay. I might stay. Listen, I don't know, you know, I, I, I call these preaching meetings, I don't call them revivals because a revival is something that happens, it's not something you schedule. <clears throat> and I hope, uh, I hope that we have a good meeting this week, I hope the church is blessed. But I'm going to tell you, uh, I have been super blessed already, okay? Uh, I, I don't do backflips, but if I could, I'd done about three of them. Um, I still am thrilled, I told you, I'm still thrilled when I see all that stuff tore up out there and... Uh, Brother, guys, your pastor has vision. Your pastor has vision. The young man that prayed, um, you know, he said that, that everybody's trying to do less. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, as you see the day approaching, do so much what? The less. No, that's what we do, the less. And uh, I see him getting rid of Sunday night service um, and getting ch- cutting it. I, I am all, I'm this close. And I really mean it. I'm this close to saying that we should do away with Wednesday night. I really do. I think we should. And have a Tuesday and Thursday night service. <laughs> well, I said so much the more, okay? When I say that, everybody, when I say cut out Wednesdays, you all go, ooh, what do I get to watch? And, and then you tell them, you know, uh, get a, Wednesday, a Tuesday and Thursday. But um, I, I, I was with a pastor. And, I, and again, I, I usually say this in a message. Good man, good man, guys. I'm in, a, I'm, in, I'm in the best churches, these churches right here like this. And, um, and he said, we had a family, and they would drive 60 miles to come to church. And they'd be here for Sunday morning service, and they'd just hang around the church all day so they could be there for 6 o'clock service. And he said, so what we did, we started doing a dinner right after service, and then had a, the afternoon service around 1.30 or 2 o'clock, and did away with sun, uh, Sunday night. And, I, you know, here's my looking at that. Yeah, God, I love you so much. I don't want to burn gas two times on the same day to come to see you. You know, that's how much I love you. But So we're having dinner after the morning service, and, he, and there's a, I mean, a fine family, young man, wife, about three or four kids. He said, that's a family. See that family right there? That's one we did this for. And they got done eating and left. They left. They didn't stay for the 1.30 service. They'd hang around all day for a six. So you can't do too much more. And have a pastor with vision, vision. Is tremendous. So I, when I, I saw that. Um, and then this morning, I ran into Pete Howenstein. I love Pete Howenstein. I, I cannot tell you. I can't. Last time I saw him, might be 20, 30 years ago. I don't know. I prayed for him over and over and over over the years. I mean, I am so thrilled to have Pete in this service. I, I just, I am. Uh, and then the young man in the wheelchair. That is my nephew, Kathy and I. It's his, her older sister, uh, his son, her son. And uh, I'm going to tell you something about that young man right there. Young man, I don't know. Old goat. He has, you talk about Job, now he has been through some things. He has health problems no one in this room wants. That's what put him in a wheelchair. He has things you don't want what he's gone through all of his life. How old are you, Chad? 51, 52? 51. And um, in, in the 51 years that I've known him, I have never heard him shake a fist at God. I've never, he's in church. Uh, I've never heard him bitter. No, they say, oh, well, probably, oh, well, everybody, I say it this way, guys. We all go behind the barn and say something to God that we shouldn't say, right? You know why you should do that behind the barn? Because if God gets tired of your mouth, you only burn the barn. <laughs> uh, so we all, you know, we all do that. Uh, and I tell guys, I'm going to give you a prayer. I'm going to give you a prayer. I use this prayer 
frequently. It is okay to tell God, I disagree with what you're doing right now. It's okay. You can disagree with God as long as you finish it with this. But you're right and I'm wrong. That's all you got to get down. Amen. And if you get that down, you're okay. And um, I have, uh, I love that young man there, Chad. I have never, uh, I, I've never heard him say a mean thing. And, and I see people, some, I, I knew a guy, I knew of a church where a man left and took five families with him because the pastor didn't shake his hand after Sunday night service. I, I knew of a guy that took a church and he took the church. Now, well, you know, when you take a church, you don't really know the people that are in it. And when he took it, there was a lady in the hospital that nobody told him about. And um, when she got out of the hospital, she said, you never came to see me. He goes, I, I didn't even know you existed. I'm sorry. And she ended up running him off. And, um, you know, we all think we got grace and, and everything until, until it hits us. And then we, we think God is unfair. And I'm so proud of him, his wife, Amy, his children. They got a little daughter. So they probably locked her in a trunk. Well, you got to lock them in the trunk. Okay, that's because if you keep them in the car, people see through the windows, they think you're being mean to them. Put them out of sight in the trunk. But, uh, and, you know, after a while, the air gets a little thin. They quit crying. They, they, they're quiet right now. That's what we do with our boys. Nothing happened to them. You could, you could ask them, never, never affected them. They'd say, I'm fine. See, I, I, okay. But um, I am thrilled. I am thrilled that, that Chad Ingram is here. And uh, I don't say this very often. But that's a hero of mine. Amen. Uh, that, that young man. I've got two nephews, him. Uh, we don't have just two nephews. We have Tim, him and another one that, that uh, Christopher's had some serious. They told, him, they told his parents they were going to die the day he was born. The other one. And those two young men, this, this man and a young man, I pray for them every day, every single day. And um, they have, they're in church. Uh, they love the Lord. Um, they've not turned their back on him. They didn't, they didn't, get, they didn't get bitter. And believe me, believe me, I've known Christians get bitter with God going through half of it. So I am, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled you're here, Chad. God bless you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Well, believe it or not, we're going to go back to Job. I didn't plan on this, but this is the one that I just downloaded this morning, so. <laughs> and I, I already told you um, that, that when I was a kid, if you, uh, if you looked, looked at our, undershirt, our, our T-shirt, it, was, it had a big red S, and all of us, we were all wanting to be heroes. And today, if you take a kid's shirt off, the T-shirt says something like this, it's all about me. Isn't this the all about me generation? Or I saw one, this little kid had a shirt on, it said, let's focus on me. And I thought, let's not. Okay, but everybody, everybody, uh, you know, we are in the it's all about me generation. Let me tell you something. And, and guys, I am telling you, I am in churches like this one every week. Uh, I have people say uh, they, they don't, they misunderstand. They go, well, I'll bet you get tired of getting into churches where they don't believe the book. I don't get into churches where they don't believe the book. They have me in because they believe the book. And, uh, and we just had a, we had a super meeting, just a super meeting just uh, last week in uh, Missouri. But uh, I come into our churches, <coughs> and you know what, I, what I've noticed? We've been on the road for about 37 years, and we have a book table. Let me explain why we have a book table. We have it for only one reason, okay? I don't want you to misunderstand. We're desperate. 
probably nothing on that table will help you. Man, it'll help us if you take this stuff, okay? <laughs> but you know what I want? You know what nobody buys anymore? I got two commentaries, one on John, one on Acts. Nobody buys commentaries anymore. You know why? Because even in our churches, we've gotten to the point where, well, how, what's it going to do for me? It's all about me. How's it going what's, what's, how's it going to affect me? It used to be people said, I love the Bible. Here's a book about the Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the book so I can read about the book that I love. But now they look at a commentary and they go, well, that's not going to help me with my problems. That's our churches, okay? That's the spirit of our age. So, so I am death, absolute death on the it's all about me philosophy. What I'm going to talk to you about this morning is this. It's all about you. I'm telling you the truth. It really is. You really could get the t-shirt. It's all about me because I am telling you the truth. This is not a play on words. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm not twisting something semantically. I am telling you that it is all about you. Amen. Okay? And, and I'll take a look. We'll take a look here in Job. Uh, and Elihu is talking here. Elihu is the, uh, he's the fifth guy. You got Job, you got his three friends. So you got Ford and Elihu is sitting over here. And, and Elihu probably wrote down what he's watching. That's how we got the book of Job. <coughs> and, and, and Elihu is definitely aggressively on God's side. Uh, let me tell you something, guys. Uh, I don't know if I'll speak about this, but, but let me tell you something. That's, you guys think you're Bible believers? You know, I'm a Bible believer, a King James Bible believer. There's something better than a King James Bible believer. No, there can't be. Yes, there is. There really is. Be a friend to the Bible. You know what a friend does? A friend does the part of a friend. And here's what a friend does. A friend will do for you what nobody else. It's not, you know, a friend doesn't lend you money. You can go to a bank. I'll bet you guys, I'll bet there's people in here. You borrowed money from a bank. You didn't know one human in the building. You didn't know one person. And they let you buy a house. They gave you money, right? That's what I did. We bought a house. I didn't know anybody in that bank we borrowed that money. So no, getting money isn't what a friend does. Anyway, but um, you know what a friend will do? They'll defend you. You defend your friends. If you hear something bad about a friend, something that's really your friend, you automatically don't want to believe it. And if you hear they did something bad, you automatically go, well, they probably had a good reason. Right? So you always take your friend's side. Isn't that true? I can't tell you. I come into churches, and I just nailed this down just last year. And, and, and guys are, I'm King James. I'm King James. And then somebody comes and says, oh, yeah? Well, what about that? that problem right there. And I'll go, well, yeah, and I have a problem with that. They're, that's not your friend. Do you understand? That they're not, they're not the Bible's friend. You need to be the Bible's friend. You need to be God's friend. So what is that? When he does something and you disagree, say, so hey, I told you, you can disagree with him as long as you say he's right. Amen. And you're wrong. I have said this, you're right and I'm wrong and I still don't know why because I still think my way is better than yours. <laughs> right? But he's right. And so Elihu, he's got, he's got some stuff down. And look what he says. Verse 5. Look unto the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. <coughs> if thou sinnest, what doest thou against him? Or if, thou uh, if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he? Of thine hand. Let's, let's pray. Father, Father, we come to you today because this is Sunday and we call this your day. And we're in a building, God, 
We know this is not your house. We know that when we leave here today, you're not going to get locked in here. There's no, there's no holy of holies in this building. But still, everything about every square inch of this property is for you. And this building is for you. And this service is for you. And you saved us, and God, we're supposed to live to your glory. Now, my prayer this morning, you know all the things about Sam Gift that would prevent your message from being delivered. God, I don't, I'm not worried about laying an egg or dropping a bomb. I'm not worried about that. I don't care. But if I do that, somebody isn't going to hear from you. That's what I worry about. So, God, please, these people desperately need you to get Sam Gipp out of their way and out of your way so that you could talk to them. You've got some plans for these people. And, and God, uh, you know, you know as, soon, as sure as I'm talking to you right now, you know I'm not, it's not a play on words when I say that it's all about them. These people have no idea how, how blessed and how special they are. And I pray, God, I convey that today. That uh, one of these days when you come back and get us or take us one by one, everything will be better on the other side. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. amen. Now, here's what I mean. Let me tell you. Uh, I met your pastor in Norfolk, Virginia. And he was a, he was a sailor. And I was just with his uh, former pastor, Jim Burnett. Uh, I think it was back in November or something like that, uh, sometime last year. And I told his pastor, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sink an aircraft carrier. I just felt like sinking an aircraft carrier. Now, that, that's not like a kind of a tough job, don't you think? But I, he said, oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to get a rowboat, and I'm going to row out to this aircraft carrier. Now, when I row to this aircraft carrier, it's sitting here, you know, I mean, it's, it's got a, a bow that, that the flight deck is 90 feet above me. I'm in this rowboat, and I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go right up to the, to the very side of it, and I'm going to smack it. It's going to sink. You guys look like you don't think my facilities are proper. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, I passed on that because I couldn't find a boat. But I decided to stop a train. I saw Superman do this with my shirt on, so I knew it could be done. So what are you going to do? You're going to stop a train. You're going to stand on the tracks. You might want to lean toward it a little bit because you're going to need a little bit of leverage. And I'm just going to, when, when that train comes, I'm just going to grab it and stop it. Now, none of you believe what I'm telling you. I mean, none of you believe that if, I, if you or I rode out to a, a, an aircraft carrier and smacked the side of it, it wouldn't even know we did it, right? And what would the train do? I mean, if the guy happened to be looking away, he wouldn't even know it hit you. Isn't that true? We can have no effect on that aircraft carrier, and we can have no effect on that train, and, and my news to you this morning is you can have no effect on God. You can't do anything. Can, look, tell me, tell me. Can you do something to God that would make him less God? Okay. Could you do something to make him more God? No, no, not a bit. Look what it says here in verse 6. If thou sinnest, thou doest nothing against him. And if thy transgressions be multiplied... What doest thou unto him? You can't do anything that is going to diminish God. When you sin, you know who pays for it? You. You heard that old joke, you know, the guy keeps hitting himself in the head with a ball peen. Bong, bong, bong. And the guy goes, why are you doing that? He says, oh, because it feels so good when I quit. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Take a ball peen hammer. Can you hit God with it? 
No. What are you do? Throw it as high as you can? I mean, there is nothing. <coughs> there is nothing that we can do to God. We, our sins don't hurt God. They don't make him less God. What our sins are to him. Did you ever have a, you ever, you ever been in a car and you had to fly? You know, stab it with a knife. But you know what your sins are to him? They're an annoyance. But everything that's going on in our country, it is not making him less God. Hey, tell me, tell me, tell me. Is there a street of gold in heaven? Yeah. Well, it's probably a little tarnished and cankered because of what's going on in our country, right? No. Heaven is this. There's, there's fewer mansions. There's, there's less angels singing to God's glory. Guys, when you read uh, in, in Revelation chapter 4, uh, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, which is to come, they are doing that at least two times per minute as I speak to you. So now go burn a church. Burn this one down. Go get drunk. Go do something. Go shoot a preacher, some other preacher. <laughs> Him neither, because he's got he's to write me a check. So leave these two preachers alone. Go, go find some other preachers. Get that preacher. Uh, well, never mind. Uh, but um, here's what I'm saying. Go kill a preacher. Will, will God... Will a shine come off of him? Will heaven be less heaven? Will they start saying heaven without a capital? <laughs> I mean, guys, nothing we do against God can hurt him. Amen. Isn't that true? Man, that makes me happy. We cannot touch him. <coughs> we cannot, we cannot d diminish him in any way. So there's nothing bad that we can do that can hurt God. Look at the next verse. If thou be righteous... What givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thine hand? You know what the answer is on both those questions, or all, all those questions, questions of verse 6 and questions of verse 7? Nothing. You can't diminish him. You can't, you can't inflate him. If you do something good. You ought to win somebody to Christ. Boy, isn't it a good thing when you win somebody to Christ? They're on their way to heaven now. Win somebody to Christ. And that makes heaven more heaven? You don't really believe this. Please tell me you don't believe this. Don't, tell me you don't believe that you had some talent, some skill, some ability that God wanted you to say because, you know, like they need the plumbing fixed in heaven. So he's dealing with a plumber or he needs a roofer uh, or he needs a carpenter. He needs a painter. You know, they need something painted in heaven. Oh, well, you think he wants your wit? You think he wants your intellect? My goodness, people, this, this God is tremendous, is he not? Amen. And there's so there's nothing I can do that is evil. There's no sin. Uh, if, if I shoot myself. God's going to go, oh, I was amazed he hit his brain. <laughs> Took him three shots. Had to stir around up there a little bit. But guys, he's not going to be less God. And if I win somebody to Christ today, he's not going to be more God. Our God is God. This is a God that speaks universes into existence. Is that not true? It's an amazing God. You know, I... Um, Oh, it's been years now. I don't know, maybe, maybe 30 years, 40 years. I don't, I don't even know where I was. I have a lot of times like that. Uh, and um, they wanted me to talk to a physicist. He was a lost physicist. And he was a doctor. And, and because I guess I was a doctor, uh, they thought that the doctors could talk. They thought he would accept it more. And so I'm talking to this doc, you know, this physicist. And, and he's talking to me. And it's about how you would expect it. You know, he thinks the whole thing started with a dust cloud. And so I said this. I said, Doc, tell me what you believe. And he did. Now, could I help you? 
because you guys are intimidated by science, and you were intimidated by scientists. These guys that don't believe in evolution, you know what they replace God speaking with? A cloud of dust. I mean, does, does a cloud of dust really sound scientific to you? So this guy starts off, and he says, uh, 4.2 billion years ago, there was a cloud of dust, and it blew up. But I guess it didn't blow up. I guess it blew in. Because when the smoke cleared and the dust cleared, there's the whole universe. Isn't that what they believe? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Listen, if evolution is true, let me tell you what you can do. See this pulpit? Find a field around here somewhere. Put a quarter stick of dynamite in this pulpit. Light it when it blows up. When the smoke clears, you got a three-bedroom house. Yeah. Isn't that evolution? Yeah. That's exactly what evolution is. And so he's telling me about, he starts with the dust cloud. He really did. This scientist, this guy who intimidates you because of his, his uh, education, he starts with a dust cloud. And then it blew up. Um, and, uh, and then, he, you know, then uh, there, was a, there was a mud puddle uh, and, a, and a frog climbed out of it, I guess. And, and it, became a, you know, it became a monkey. And, he, and he's hanging in a tree by his tail. And his tail fell off and he hit the ground, became a college professor. And while he's doing this, I am doing the best I can to giggle and snicker. <laughs> uh, well, that was about 2.4.2 year, billion years ago. Uh, there was a cloud of dust. <laughs> uh, and it blew up. <laughs> you say, why would you do that? Two reasons. Number one, the last thing I want to do is have him for a second think that I'd actually agree with the stupid stuff he's saying. But the second one is, it's pretty funny. I mean, you know, stupid is funny, unless it's in the White House. But stupid is funny. And, and so uh, he went through all of this, and, I, and he gets done, and he knew what I wanted. He goes, okay, Doc, tell me what you believe. Brother, he started with dust cloud. I started with Genesis chapter 1-1. One, one. And here's what, he, here's what he said. He said, and did you ever notice all that tolerant crowd has no tolerance? Why, why does an evolutionist not say this? Well, you believe in creation, I believe in evolution. But it's always, well, I believe in evolution. You believe in creation? Isn't that how it is? And so this guy says this. He says, tell me what you believe. But he goes, but don't tell me that you really believe. And he just got venomous. He said that you really believe that God just spoke the universe into existence in seven 24-hour days. And there I am, guys, and I knew if I dared to say that, he'd think I'm the stupidest guy on the planet. So I said, no. Six. <laughs> I, don't believe God, I don't believe God spoke the universe into existence in seven 24-hour days. Six. I think on the last day. Guys, you know what he did? If you, the Bible says God's a man. He has to be a man. You know why? Do you know what a man does when he finally does something? Lady, you tell him, will you fix that? Will you fix that? Will you fix that? We put that up. We nail that on there? You know, and when he gets done, you know what he does? He gets a chair and sits down and looks at it. Amen. Yeah. I, I fixed that. Yeah. I, did, I did that. Yeah, yeah. Took a while. Took a while. Yeah, you know. But I got it. That's what we do. You know, if God, if God created anything on the seventh day, it was iced tea. <laughs> and he sat there and went like this. I like the, you know, I like the rings around Saturn. That'll have them really, they'll wonder about that. <laughs> and the big red spot on Jupiter, man, that, you know, that's just too cool. I mean, he just looked at it all. And, and I got to be honest with you, as I'm telling the, him this, he's, he's kind of doing a pretty good job of, 
You know, he is. I don't care. Because when I told him when I was done, absolutely instilled stark terror in him. And I said, now, Doc, I said, what you believe and I believe. I said, you know, there's only one difference between what you believe and I believe. And when I said one, that's what got him. Because, I mean, we didn't agree. The only thing we could possibly agree on was that we were both in the room. And if we studied Descartes, we weren't even sure of that. So, so I, said, I said, there's only one difference between what you believe and I believe. And he couldn't. I mean, everything was a disagreement. He says, one. I said, yeah, what is it? I said, with every beat of your heart. You come closer to believing everything I just believe. Because the Bible says in Hebrews, and as, and as is the point when the man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. And I said, one of these days, Doc, you're going to die, and you're going to believe everything that I just told you. Isn't that true? Amen. Honest, honest, this is what happened. He turned as white as his, she, his shirt and got up and left. He got out of there. Him believing this whole thing started with a dust cloud. Do you think, God, do you think really, guys, do you think God is up there going, please believe in me? Believe me. He's God. We can't do anything. We can't sin against him. We can't make him less God. We can't make him more God. I think we could make him happy. I think when you lead somebody to Christ, it, it, you know, the Bible says that when, when somebody gets saved, I've heard people say, the angels rejoice. But I won't say the angels rejoice. It says there's joy in the presence of the angels. You know what, it, you know what the Bible said? It said he took on our sins for our joy. And I think when somebody gets saved, guys, now, now look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be brief on this little part here because I don't want you to think uh, that I'm talking about myself. But I work hard when I write my books. And I do research. And I only have uh, three books out there, I think, that are transcribed sermons. And they're called Selected Sermons. That's where they took a, a, a tape and they typed it out. Everything else is research. I spend hours. I spend days. I got one I've been working on 10 years. I spend years, uh, and, and when I work on a book, and I work on a book, and I work on a book, and, and somebody gets it, and they say, hey, I read your book, and it helped me. That's a blessing. That's not pride. When you, when you, when you go to a, to a lot of trouble to write a book, and somebody reads it, and, and they say, man, what you wrote helps. What do you think it's like when, when Jesus Christ, when, with him, when we lead somebody to Christ, and he goes, I made it worth it made it worth it. Amen. It doesn't make him more God. Isn't that true? So now think about this. I am looking at a room full of people. There is, there is not one person in here that can hurt God. What are you going to do? Go out, pick up a rock and throw it at heaven? Take a gun. No, look, if, if, if you could hurt God with a gun, the Muslims would have done it. You know how you conquer a Muslim country? You do it with a camera and a gun. That's all you need. You know why? Because when they see the camera, they go, I got to get a Boom, 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 Right? And they go, boom, 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 click, 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 click. Then you shoot them. So hold up the camera. When the gun's empty, you shoot them. Do you think any of them bullets hit God? Nothing. Nothing. The night, and I think about this, the night that they crucified Jesus Christ, he said, would you let this cup pass for me? Now, he, now, God, his father did not do that. Isn't that true? But if his father had said this, yeah, son, they're not worth it. Come on home. Just let them go to hell. Then we would be on our way to hell, hopelessly damned. Isn't that true? Yeah. And God would be wringing his hands. 
God would be up in heaven saying, oh man, how are we going to, how's it going to be? You know what some people think? It's uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg, he was, a, he was the uh, mayor of New York, I think. And here's what he said. When I get to heaven, I won't even have to stop at the gate. They're just going to see him coming. And you know, they, you know what some folks think? They think that when they die, I'm talking to some Christians and they go to heaven, property value will go up. Heaven will shine a little better. Everything will be, the, 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 the angels will sing a little louder. No, no, no. There is nothing, anything, anything, anybody, uh, there's nothing in, in this, that anybody in this room can do that can hurt God. That can, you can't diminish him. You can't put him out of business. If he had chosen not, if we go right back to before Genesis 1-1, if he had chosen not to say, let there be light, he would still be God. And if you want to if you give, them a, give the church a million bucks. If you have some, you know, let's say dashing evangelist from Idaho or something, and you give them a million bucks, it's not going to make him more God. So why? Why? Let me ask you a question. Why is long life a blessing when if everybody in this room that's saved died, you'd be in heaven that fast? Correct? So the best thing, wouldn't it seem like the best thing could happen to you is you get saved and go, this is great, and have a heart attack and die. So, so why does he say, in this world, look at this world. Man, when I see this world, you know what I thank God? I want to die. I look at this world and I think, oh man, the young guy's got to deal with what's coming. Fortunately, one of these days, it's just all going to seize up. I try to kill myself every time I have a baked potato. We had a baby tail last night. I tell them, I'll, I'll tell the waitress, I'll say, bring me enough butter. I got one artery that is not clogged yet. Let's take care of that today. <laughs> say, what is that? Ticket to heaven. So let me ask you a question. Now, I've been saved uh, Wednesday, June 14th. I will have been saved 53 years. When we, the, the last night of this meeting, I'll be celebrating my 53rd birthday of trusting Christ, my personal Savior. Why did he let me live? He, he has kept me out of heaven for 53 years. That's love. I'm going to heaven. Why hasn't he taken me? Man, guys, what they said about the, the apostles in Acts chapter 17 when they brought the gospel into place and they cleared out all the witchcraft and got people saved. You know what the lost people said? Those Christians are turning the world upside down. Have you not said that when you watch the news? Have you not said they're turning our country upside down? When the president says, if you have good credit, you got to pay more. And if you have bad credit, you get, you get a loan. I mean, these people are absolutely evil. Is that not true? Amen. Why did he leave us here? Is he mad at us? Does he hate us? Uh, guys, I don't know all of you, but I'm, I'll guarantee you, I'm looking at people who for one reason or another, you have suffered during this time here. Isn't it true? Why did he take you to heaven? Why, why are you trying to stay alive? One reason. Has nothing to do with God. He's not getting anything. Really, he's not getting anything from anything we do. But don't you believe this? Look, 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 at, look at the verse. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, tremendous verse. Verse 10, 
For we, we must all appear before the, before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I had a guy ask me this, say guy. He said, if I confess my sins, they're gone, right? Forgiven? So why do I got to go to the judgment seat of Christ and answer for my sins? I said, you're not answering for your sins. You're answering for what you did in the body. Isn't it funny that we always say this? Give your life to God. Bible, Bible doesn't say give your life to God. It says give, give your body. He wants this. Now, I don't know what it is about this, but the devil is paying an awful lot of money to get us addicted. Something about this. Isn't that true? Amen. So he says, give me your body. And here's how I say this. It's not sin. Because if you confess your sin, they're gone. But here's how this works. Uh, let's say you buy a brand new car. And your, your good friend comes over and says, hey, uh, I, I just dropped the transmission in my car. And I'm supposed to go on vacation for two weeks tomorrow. Can I borrow your car? I know you got a new car, but can I borrow it? And because he's your friend, you go, okay, take it. Two weeks later, you see him coming back. And the first thing you notice is that the right front tire is that little donut spare. Then you notice that the entire right side of the car, the paint is scraped completely off of it. Then he pulls in, and you notice that the windshield is just not broken. It is shattered with, a, with an indentation on it. And as you go up to the driver's door, you look in, and you see there's cigarette burns all over the front seats. And he gets out and goes, hey, man, great vacation. Thanks. I, I couldn't have done without your car. Thanks a lot. And he starts to walk away. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come car. The flat tire. How'd that happen? Well, I didn't know that drunk had a bottle in, under his coat when I hit him. What, what happened to the side of the car here? Hey, you know what? A guardrail will wake you up faster than an alarm clock. What happened to the windshield? Well, I thought that deer was going to get all the way across the road. Well, what's on these cigarettes? Uh, I picked up a hitchhiker, and he did this. Hey, thanks for the car. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come here, come here, come here. Guys, don't you think you'd say this? This isn't how I gave it to you. Right? You know what a car is? We, I, I used to paint them. They're bodies. I worked in a body shop. They're bodies. This is a body. And you know what God may say? Let me tell you about a young man. Uh, many, many years ago, I was working retail. He saved. I saved. And if you work retail, you're going to do some rudimentary math. You're going to do a little bit of addition, subtraction, division, multiplication, whatever. And I can't even remember... <coughs> what the occasion was, but, but it was a little more intricate math than, than, than this beyond 2 plus 2. You're out of my league. And here's what he did. Do you ever watch somebody try to think about something and it's like he couldn't get the, couldn't get the engine to start? He went like this. And then he looked at me and said this. You should have saw me before I was on drugs. Before I was on drugs, I was a math whiz, but the drugs have dulled my brain and I can't even do rudimentary math. You know what God's going to say? Don't you think God's going to say, I thought I gave you a pretty clear mind. What are you giving back to me? I, I, I didn't want you to split your tongue like a serpent. I didn't want you to sharpen your teeth like they're fangs. I, I didn't want a tattoo on your face. 
This is not the way I gave you the body. You broke your back. You, you know, guys, look, people have accidents, but I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for sporting accidents because sporting accidents are electives. Oh, I broke my knee skiing. And quit skiing. Right? Quit doing something. These guys, I, uh, we, have the, uh, we have the posters out there. Those posters, the guy who's with the Lord now. And that guy played uh, 10 years of pro football. He played, he played five years. Get this. This guy believed in equality or, or, or equity. He played five years for the Dallas Cowboys and five years for the Washington Redskins. He played for the Cowboys and the Indians. And he's with the Lord. But I asked him, I said, uh, I said, you know, you're getting there. You're, he was on the line and you hit guys and hit guys and hit guys. I said, you ever think about football? He said, I think about it every day. He said, I am so much pain. He said, I think about it all the time. I take stuff for pain. He said, my shoulders hurt, my back hurts. Look, nothing personal. He's done a good job with his artwork. But don't you think God will say, I didn't give you a broken knee. Now, look, I think there's things that break you. I mean, yeah, I think people get injured in war. But the stuff we do voluntarily, he says, I gave you a clear mind and you screwed it up. There are people that are having horns embedded in their heads under the skin. He's going to say, I didn't give you a body like that. This is not what I gave you. So, but, but don't we have a judgment seat of Christ? And you're going to be there, right? All right, now tell, let me ask you a question. Don't you believe that there are some crowns that you can win? Amen. All right? Don't you believe that there are rewards that you can earn? Amen. Now, let me, let me head somebody off here because we get these sanctimonious, pious people. I've had them. Well, I don't serve God for rewards. It's a good thing you're probably not getting any. <laughs> now, don't raise your hand on this, but I would love to know how many people in this room are in some kind of a reward program. You buy your gas at this station because you, you get two cents off because of the reward. And you use this credit card because then you get a reward. I mean, everybody has a reward, don't they? Every business, and I know people, they got every kind, they're in every kind of reward system, and then they go, oh, I'm not looking for rewards. Whoa. When did your thinking change? But let me ask you a question. Now, this is a, this is a deep Bible question. Who instituted the divine award system? Who designed it and who, who bequeathed it on you? Who? God. Thank you. Somebody was brave. Yeah. So God, when you got saved, come on, tell me, tell me this. Isn't this true? The day you got saved. I didn't even know when I got saved. Let me, let me tell you what happened. June 14th, 1970. Uh, I came up to the altar. I did not know it. I did not know the scripture, but I know it now. But I came up to the altar that day on my way to hell. I got down on my knees. Whosoever shall call upon him, the Lord shall be saved. I took what Jesus Christ did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection as the payment for my sin. I got down on my knees on my way to hell. I got off my knees on my way to, my way to heaven. Right? Yeah. That was all I was interested in. But I didn't know this. According to John chapter 8, verse 44, when I got on my knees, I got on my knees a son of the devil. Right? And guys, if you'd have watched me, you'd have seen the family resemblance. So I get on my knees, the son of the devil, John chapter 8, verse 44. 
And while I get saved, I didn't know it, but according to John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as receive him, to him give you power to become the sons of God. So I get off my knees the son of the devil. I get off my knees the son of God. Is that not true? Amen. That's not what I came for. I didn't know that was part of the package. If somebody would have said, when I stepped out, and they said, where are you going? Well, I'm going down there to get saved. I'm on my way to hell. I want to go to heaven. And they go, hey, well, wait, wait. Before you pray, ask the guy if you're going to be a son of God when he's done. And I, that wasn't even a question that I could put in my head. You understand? And if I would have said, uh, when I do this, am I going to be a son of God? And if he'd have said, no. No, no, you're not going to be a son of God. But you're at least you're going to heaven. I wouldn't have said, well, let's just forget the whole thing. I came to get saved. Hey, guys, I didn't know this. But I, when I was praying, I enlisted in his army. I didn't know this, but I got, I got entered in to an eternal reward system. Right? Let me, let me tell you what happens. I write books. I read them on a, uh, a, pro, a word processing program. Now, I can't believe you can't. You got to change what you say all the time. I used to say you bought a book, but you can't buy a book now. And so then you bought a cassette tape, but now they don't have those. So then you bought a CD. Now those are gone. But I bought a CD. You know that when they were selling them, uh, word processing programs, do you know that you could not buy a word processing program? Yes, you did. No, you didn't. There was never a disc that had a word processing pro program on it alone. It came with a suite. It had a word processing. It had like five, five programs. It had a word processing program. That's what I want. It had a database. I'm married. I'm not looking for a date. Uh, it had a spreadsheet. I'm not doing any betting. I don't need that. It had a presentation, how to do uh, PowerPoints, stuff like that. They always come with five things. I only want one. I don't want the other four. I don't care about the other four. I put it in my computer, and it doesn't load anything down. You know what it says? What do you want on this disk? Do you want all five? No, I don't want all five, right? Do you want just three? If you want three, just pick this, this, this. If you just want one, I want one. Push that, and we'll just load the one you want. You know what I do? I push word processing program and database and spreadsheet and dessert. I mean, I load everything on my computer. I put five programs on my computer, four of which I don't even know how to open, I never use. So why do you do that? Tell me, isn't this true? There's just something about knowing you got all that you could get. So here I am. I'm looking at you guys. And if you're saved, you can't do anything to hurt God. And you can't do anything to add to him. Which means, and you're not dead. Right? So that means that he saved you and left you here for one reason. It's all about you. Because every single thing you do for him, aren't you going to get an eternal reward? And if you don't do anything for him, you get nothing. The only person on this planet you can hurt is you. And the only person you can help and bless is you. And so he puts you out. Here's what I realized about this God. This God that we have is immensely merciful. Right? And he is immensely gracious. Let me give you definitions of mercy and grace. This is what I, te te I teach my students. I'll, I'll try to get, then get you out of here. Uh, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a, uh, something happened before I got saved. It was in May of 1969, one o'clock, one thirty in the morning. Uh, my friends and I are all drunk. We get in this car. I'm not saved. 
This guy's got a 1968 Mustang GT, five of us piling it. He's driving. There's a guy, married guy in the, in the, in the, on the right. His, his wife is sitting between him. Buddy of mine is here in the back seat on the left. I'm back seat on the right. It is raining. I'm talking about drops that will knock you down, okay? And it's 1.30 in the morning and we're drunk. Well, that is not a good combination in a fast car. And the last thing I remember was him. He had this thing on a straightaway on a country road, and he was airing that Mustang out. But at the end of that Mustang, uh, at the end of that straightaway was a left turn. And we made most of the turn, but not enough of it. Uh, you know one of the most terrifying sounds to me? I can't stand it. The sound of turf on the, on the floor pan of a car. I've heard that so many times. You're not supposed to hear that. And I, I didn't really know what happened. Uh, the insurance man told me. He said, you guys, there was, a, there was a concrete culvert about two feet around, three feet around. And he said, you guys hit that end on and peeled just like a, like a sardine can. He said, you just, you just peeled that, that thing open for 40 feet. And at the end of it was one of those storm sewers that looks like a chimney, all brick with a manhole cover. He said, when you hit that, you shattered it. That started a car flipping end over end. And he said, you flipped end over end. Then finally, side over side. We ended up on the road, on the left side, on the right side, on the right side. I got busted up pretty good. And the guy there, he's half in and half out. They gave him eight hours to live. Now, do not, listen, listen carefully. I'm going to say something right now. Do not say amen, because you're going to be tempted to say amen. Do not say amen, because I, I refuse to lead people to give a bad answer to embarrass them. I don't do that. Now, here's what we tend to say. I was lost. If I'd have died that night, I'd have gone to hell, right? Now, don't, don't say amen. We say this, by the grace of God, I didn't die and go to hell. No, no, by the mercy of God. Amen. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting the bad you deserve. Do you know what grace is? Grace is getting good that you don't deserve. <laughs> if I had died that night on that road, I would have gone to hell, but that's what I deserved, Right? So it was not the grace of God, it was the mercy of God. But I'm looking at a bunch of people. Let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Amen. Do you deserve that? No. That's why you're saved by grace. Right. You've got good that you don't deserve. So guys, do you know why you're here? It's all about you. When he saved you from that moment on, he allowed you to have every breath you take and you could do it for him or the devil or yourself. And some of you do that. I doubt many people here are serving the devil. The greatest competition God has in most of your lives is you. You want to play, or you want to rest, or whatever you want to do. Or you want to gather things, you want to collect things, whatever it is. But you are the greatest competition God has. But if you do something for God, now I'm going to tell you some, some, some things, and I'm going to be done. I saw you got a track wreck out there. I don't believe any church should buy tracks. You say, you don't, you don't think churches should have tracks? No, no, no. I think they should have tracks. I think all churches should have tracks. I said, I don't think any church should buy tracks. Now, why would I say that? Let me tell you what happened. The Understandable History is in its fourth edition. Uh, the first edition was a little white book about this big. I think we printed uh, that three or four times. Then the second edition, the third edition, this is the fourth edition. I think this has been printed a couple of times. When I got done, when we sold out the first edition, which was all of 1,000 books, that's all I could print. Some guy gave me the money to print the second 
edition. Now, tell me if this isn't true. If somebody doesn't believe the King James Bible and they read that book and they go, wow, I think the King James is the word. Am I not going to get some reward for that? Isn't the guy that bought the printing going to get some rewards for that? I don't think any church should buy tracts. I think some really smart person, don't know if you've got a smart person in the room, but a smart person should say this, preacher, fill that track rack with the tracks that are in it, buy any track you want, and let me pay for it. Could you imagine if you, if you bought the tracks in that track rack? People would take them out, and every time they won somebody to Christ, wouldn't they get rewards? Wouldn't you? I think we're on to something here. I, I see this investment that you have hanging on your walls called missions. Your pastor's investing your money that you might get a, a return on the other side. Isn't that true? Guys, I'm telling you this morning. I'm, I'm about to pray. I'm going to let this thing end. I am telling you that it is all about you. If you go out, I'm not saying you're going to go out and live like hell, live evil, be dirty, be like a Democrat. Well, really, that does sum it up, doesn't it? I'm telling you, just here's what you do. Go on out and live for yourself. Want a boat? Buy a boat. Want a four-wheeler? Buy a four-wheeler. Want to go golfing? Go golfing. Want to play? Whatever you want to play. Buy it all. And never be evil and don't be a child molester and don't be a murderer and don't be an adulterer. Just play with your toys. Well, you're not going to hurt anybody. But when you get on the other side, what are you going to have? Nothing. Because it's all about you. You can't hurt him. Or live for God. Grab a pastor. Just. Oops. Hang on a second. I know I got them. There they are. There they are. Grab a bunch of tracks. And put them out. If you're, let me say this, because I'm a preacher. Let me tell you what I'm supposed to tell you. If you're afraid to pass a track, I'm supposed to call you a coward, and you know you're so worthless, and you only pass a gospel track. And I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm going to say? Grab about five of them, and pray this prayer. It's okay to say you're scared. Lord, I'm afraid to talk to somebody. Show me where I can put these where people will find them. I think I told your pastor this yesterday. I'm going to tell you about a track. Brother Carl Miller's been a, been a uh, missionary to Scotland for somewhere around 40 years. He came out of his church one night uh, after service, and there's a car with a guy with his family in it, and the guy's wringing his hands, and he said, Sir, I need to be in such, such town, and I'm running out of gas. Can you help me? And Carl, I think Carl... Didn't even have a gas can. He went and bought a gas can, filled it up, put gas in the guy's car, started to witness to him. And the guy goes, listen, Reverend, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not begging off. I'm not shutting you down. I am already late for where I need to be. I, I have to go. I'm just sorry. I have to go. And so Carl said, okay. But he said, before you go, he had a track, and he said, take this with you. Okay. Two years later, Carl was in Inverness where his church is. He was having lunch in a restaurant. And a man walked up to him and said, uh, you don't remember me, do you? He goes, well, you look a little familiar, but no, no, I don't know. He said, two years ago, I ran out of gas in front of your church. And I was late, and you bought a gas can, and you, fill, you put gas in my car, and I, I couldn't stay around. And honest, honest, I was, I was behind. I was late. I had to go. And you gave me a gospel track. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. He said, I just want to let you know I got saved. I want to let you know, my wife got saved. Our kids got saved. 
And we found a Baptist church in our city, and we've been going there because you gave us a track. Now, guys, I'm not a farmer, but I think I know what good seed is. Put it out. If you're afraid, listen, I'm not going to call you a coward. I'm not, if you don't want to go door knocking, don't, don't, go, don't go door knocking. If you don't want to walk up and hand somebody a track, then don't hand them a track. But, you know, it's kind of like, in, what do they call them? Improvised explosive device. These are E-I-E-G-D. Improvised explosive gospel device. And just laying them around. Now, let me ask you. I'll, let me, let me give, don't do it as I just told you. Don't get a track. Don't pass them out. Let the world go to hell. You get on the other side. What do you got? Nothing. You haven't affected God. Heaven's still heaven. He's not less God. All right? Go get some gospel tracks and put them out. Knock on some doors. When, when you go door knocking, knock on some doors. Maybe win somebody to Christ. And when you get on the other side, won't you have something? But heaven won't be more heaven for what you did. God won't be more God. We can't do anything to him. Because it's all about us. So I am telling you, the reason you are breathing is so you can or cannot do something for God. Make a choice. I'm going to say this. You, you're going to think I'm off when I say this. I don't care. I don't care if you serve God the rest of your life. I don't care if you go out and get drunk. Just don't drive. Really. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're, if you're an idiot and you get out there and, and vote Democratic. <laughs> and I don't care if you start knocking on doors and win people to Christ, be the greatest soul winner. We got a soul winner in our church. We got a church with about a thousand people. And we got a guy, everybody knows this guy. He is the church soul winner. If you're not dead in more than three days, he'll lead you to Christ. I mean, this guy's always winning people. So you be that guy. Go win people, pass tracks, sacrifice, support missions. And on the other side, heaven will be no more heaven. Property values will go up when you show up. But you'll have something, won't you? You know why? Because <laughs> it's all about you. I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed. We have a God that is immensely merciful. You know that. There's some bad things that have never happened to you because of his mercy. We have a God that is exceedingly graceful. He's gracious. Not just your salvation. Look at all things he's given you. All the good things that you didn't deserve. You get saved. Hey, you got saved. It just made you eternally saved. It didn't make Jesus more God. You, you work for him, you get an eternal benefit. Now, I've got some bad news and good news. Let me give you the bad news. If you haven't done anything for God, you have no rewards. If you're saved and you haven't done anything for him, you're going to go to heaven, but you'll have no rewards. You know what the good news is? <laughs> you haven't died yet. You haven't died yet, and he hasn't come yet, which means there's time to do something for him, which is really doing something for you. Because it's all about you. Father, thank you now, God, for your goodness and your grace. Lord God, I, I did not, June 14, 1970, I did not step out of my seat, come forward during that, that, that uh, invitation so that I could become your son. I was, there was a thought I couldn't even frame in my mind, Lord. But you did it. 
I did not come to get my entire history blotted out and get a new life. But you gave me, God, you gave me the whole CD. And there's not a person in here that you didn't do that for. There's not one person in here that when they got saved, they didn't download the Son of God part. There's not one person in here that did not get enlisted in the eternal reward system. And you got people here, they patronize businesses. They use a special credit card, this one all the time, because they, have, they want to get rewards in the future. And you put us here. God, if you had saved us and killed us, we'd be in heaven. And yet the fact that you didn't, the fact that you have let us live is actually better for us because we have more time to do something for you. And I pray for these people. God, I really do. I pray that somebody will give you their body. I pray that somebody will give you their life. I pray that somebody will get wise, wise, and invest in their future. Not here, not next year, but in heaven. Because they can't make you more or less God. Their good can't help you. Their evil can't hurt you. Because it's all about them. And so I pray somebody will get eternally selfish. <coughs> Divinely selfish. And spend what time they have left here serving you. So that when they get on the other side, they'll realize it really was all about them. In Jesus' name I pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, folks have come. If you need to come and talk to the Lord, why don't you come? There's people down here. You know what an invitation is? Everybody likes to be invited to things. You get invited to baby showers, invited to weddings, invited to graduations. Here's why we do an invitation. Because some of you know you've got to do something, some business with God. And if you say you're going to do it at home, when you get home, and you fully intend to do that, your car is going to have a flat tire on the way home. You're going to get home and find out that the water heater let go. Something in this world is going to distract you. And you're never going to do business with God. So why don't you do business now while you can. Before you leave here and get distracted. Lord, you put me on this earth and you saved me. And then you gave me the opportunity to do nothing but become wealthy in heaven. Help me. Give him your body. Give him your life. Give him your energy. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard young men say, I'm going to do this and this and this kind of a job. And then when I retire, I'm going to serve God. And I think, yeah, you're going to use your body when it's the best, when your sight is the clearest, when your, your mind is the sharpest, when you have the strength and no aches and pains. You're going to use it all for you to play. And then when you're done, you're going to, you're going to give the empty Coke can to God. You're going to give the empty shell. And say, here, do something with it. Give him your best. Give it to him today. Hey, let's uh, take your songbooks. Joseph, give me one of the songbooks. <laughs> 